Want to be sure you always look your best? The Reflections LED Rose Gold Makeup Mirror from Conair makes it easy with all the features you need to groom and apply makeup with precision. Lifetime LED lighting won't ever dim or diminish. No replacement bulbs needed. One-time magnification provides a full view or 10 times magnification for close-up tweezing and details. Designed with a beautiful rose gold finish, the mirror rotates at 360 degrees with a 7.5-inch viewing surface to attend to every feature. Makes a great gift. Go to Conair.com for the Reflections LED Rose Gold Makeup mirror now hello and welcome to the golazzo podcast from the football grad network and Yes, the grand conclusion of the season. It's finally here. I'm your host, Manuel Weff, and I'm joined, as always, by Oli. Hey, Oli, how's it going? I'm very good, thank you, Manu. It's been a, it's been a very fun last five days, because it won't be in the final. It was a hell of a final end as well. Because, yeah, real, it's, been, it's been good. It's been surprisingly good. And now, at the end of the season, I can sort of take a breather for a few weeks now. <laughs> yeah, I bet, because lots of late nights for you. You basically watch maybe 60-70% of all games, don't you? Give or take, yeah. And I mean, that's like Friday nights, I'm up till probably 3 to 5 a.m. And Saturday, it's 5 a.m. every night as well. So I'd be nice for at least a few weeks to be able to go to bed by about 11 every night. <laughs> yeah, no, you know what? I, I, I feel you, I really do. Because usually I watch this from North America, right? And mm-hmm. I've been always making fun of you and poor Bryce, who sadly cannot join us tonight. Um, He's he's busy with other things, but we'll be, he will be back next week for the draft special. Um, but I've always been making fun of you guys throughout the season. <laughs> I'm based in North America, usually, but um, currently touring North, um, Europe for for the Football Grad Network and doing all sorts of things, mostly related with the Bundesliga. And I'm not saying I'm complaining because I do love my work and I do love hanging out in the stadiums, even in minus temperatures. But it also means watching Liga MX at hours that I do not really like. <laughs> and you can finally understand our pain. I do finally understand. It's actually worse for me because I actually am even one hour further down the road. Yeah. Guys. <laughs> so one o'clock kickoff becomes a two o'clock kickoff. And for some odd reason, that's even worse than a 1 a.m. kickoff. I don't know why. I think with a 1 a.m. kickoff, you get to bed at around three o'clock and that's still almost human. It's but, somehow all right. Yeah. <laughs> but a two o'clock kickoff gets you to bed at four. <laughs> what's the point right <laughs> so this has been a rough weekend of course it has been a rough weekend because um of the Europa League and the all the other football games that that we do on on the football grant network and then of course the the MLS final as well that happened on Saturday so uh and so um yeah it's been it's been a lot of football but this has been exciting right Oli let's talk us through this the the um, first leg, of course, in Monterey, a 1-1 draw, set us up really nicely for the, the final 90, 90 minutes. But um, it was interesting hearing sort of the voices coming out uh, of Monterey, um, you know, the especially from the Tigers. They were really disappointed with that 1-1 draw out of the first leg. They really were, yeah. I feel like they, they, they had quite a good chance here to take the advantage into the second leg. I mean... They look, they look good. I mean, I think they sort of, Monterey sort of played their regular game as was expected. They had 
as we know, we've talked about this like for the past few weeks now. They had under forty percent possession. They had they did they looked they looked in parts they looked good going forward. I mean Hurtado and Funes Mori and Sanchez were all kept very quiet, but there was a few times where they had some real good opportunities. I think they had I think Guzman made a couple of good saves. He was at fault though for the goal though, bear in mind. But you would have thought I mean I thought overall I think a draw I, they may have been slightly disappointed, but then going into the second leg, you, they, you would still see that as like a strong position to be in. Yeah, I mean, normally you would say, of course, in for European listeners, they would say, well, Monterey would be happy because they got the away goal. It doesn't yes, matter, sorry, right? Yeah. Um, and I mean, this is something that we have to, I think I have to remind myself all the time about it too. Liga MX is so weird because we get different rules for the different stages of the of the IA, uh, Liguella, right? Yeah. Yes. In the, in the first round, we get this uh bizarre notion that if it's uh tied after home and away, um and they have the away goal for this, but if it's a one one and a one one, the team that's higher seeded goes through, right? Yeah. And, and then this and then in the semis that's no longer the case. And then in the final they have a completely different rule again. So <laughs> it's it's easy to lose track of all the different rules that are applied to Liga MX and um but you know, I I thought Tom Marshall said it really well. He was at both games and he, he does his post post-match videos an interesting character to follow on twitter when it comes to liga mx and he says he spoke of a real disappointment in tigers saying uh tuko ferrati the tigers head coach saying well we should have gone we should have gotten the win here right and um i felt that there was a real sense after the match that tigers felt that they had almost lost the final even though it was a 1-1 draw and even though the away goal doesn't matter that much um it's it's a fascinating though, because maybe that disappointment really helped them in that second leg. What do you think? I think so because you think you. I think you could probably, from their perspective after the first leg, you you just have to take a look at Monterey's home record this season. They hadn't lost at all, and so Tigre are going to have to go there thinking, okay, we can draw and take the extra time. But if we want to win this, we have to do something that nobody at all has done this season. I think we have to have to do that without probably their best centre back in Hugo Ayala. Mm. Their attackers were were had a bit of an off day. I think they, like, off the top of my head, I think they, they had a, had over at like ten shots, but maybe two were on target, and one of those was obviously the uh, Valencia penalty. So I think they're going to have to really sort of turn it mm. around and and against the Monterey side, who are going to you think are going to be absolutely up for it and just raring to go with how they play at home. And amazingly, that it just wasn't the case. Yeah, and it's interesting because you mentioned that the. It was, so it was 63% ball possession for Tigres. Yes. The total shots of 13 to 8, but shots 30. on target was actually 2 to 4 for, yeah. for Monterey. Um, and I mean, that really epitomizes the entire match, doesn't it? That they, um, so much dominance by Tigres, but yet where it mattered. And we've seen this so many times with Monterey, right? That they, they, yeah. oh, they yeah. they're down in all the stats except for the one that, the, the one that matters, goal scored. And the the other one that's really always interesting that they always have more shots on target and they did in this match as well. So I would say if you just look at the stats and you already know what Monterey do day in and day out, you think, well, this is just a normal day in the office of Antonio Mohamed. He set up his side <laughs> to absorb all the pressures and then try to hit them where it mattered the most. And that's, you know, that's in the inside the penalty box of the opposition's team and trying to get shots on target. But um, this was a bit different, wasn't it? It was a little bit, yeah. I mean, there was Monterey. Okay, we we thought they they also like stoked the pressure as much. They just they didn't seem to just going forward. They really just they just lacked something at times. They they started well, I have to say. They looked 
it looked a bit like sort of the Monterey of like what we have seen so far for like the first 15, 20 minutes where they, they got the goal as well. But really just sort of like stepped off the gas and just allowed Tigger to come back into the game. And they, Monterey never really sort of got going, going again. It's a bit, but they looked good going for it. I thought Pabon in the first leg was especially good. I thought he was out of all the, if you want to call it the, the, I don't know, sort of trying, but the, the, the four of the attacking players, he was by far the best. But the rest of us, they, they seemed, I don't want to say they seemed nervous, but it was like, I think because, the amount of pressure that was sort of surrounded on Monterey that I feel like towards, especially towards like the final 15, 20 minutes that maybe a draw wasn't such a bad, a, a bad uh, result in the end for them. But they're, they're, I feel like if it's just taking the first leg like in isolation, you could feel like for both teams, it, could, it, it was a, it was a chance missed to go into the second leg with a win. Mm. And that is, of course, you know, uh, we all know how difficult of a place. Monterey, the mm-hmm. Rayados, how difficult to play, to play at home. And I, I think most of us would have thought that Monterey would, would do it and win their first, uh, Liga MX title since 2010. Um, but that wasn't quite the case, Ollie, wasn't it? I mean, in the end, Tigres actually won this championship. And it's, it's a funny one for me personally because I've, I've followed Tigres very close through the last two or three years now and, it's always funny that they, of course, they won the Apertura last year, but then they also squandered a lot of final opportunities, including have- the the one in the Clausura, right, and the Concacaf yes. Champions League final. Mm-hmm. Um, but they went into this final as the underdog. I, I have to put a little asterisk on here because before the season started, I think every single person on this podcast said that Tigers would win it. Yeah. We, <laughs> hindsight, just saying, we were right, but we did not sound like that about a week ago. <laughs> Definitely not. I mean, yeah, it's like, start to see, start to see if we were like, you see, you'd be just like, just looking at that Tigers team, it was like, yeah, they're going to walk this. And in the end, it was like, well, it's probably more 60 40 Monterey, but yeah, I mean, Tigre, second leg were just very very good I mean atrocious Stark sitting off like two minutes but I think it's just such a this was a real lethargic performance from Monterey they just never sort of I don't don't use the phrase like get going again as they did in the first thing but they just never put anything really together and I don't remember Guzman having to make any real save of any note I mean obviously you got the uh, penalty miss late on from Avalanche which I guess we'll we'll get to but Mm. Tigre were just very good in defence. I think it, uh, Meza, who got the who got the eventual winner in the end, coming in for Ayala, was um, just absolutely immense. It's a, uh, and I think we might touch on as well that um, if look the uh, ball possession stats, which was this was the one that I, amazed me. Monterey actually had more possession. For like you know, I mean, that's the first time in God knows how long I've seen them have more possession. Clearly, Ferretti was like working on this to sort of say, let's try and like let's sort of switch it around, see what they can do with the possession. And yes, they had more shots, et cetera, but they clearly, it wasn't suiting them. Yeah. And that's, that's the one that really got me too. And mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I, this is something that we talked about be before the final, right? That one way to hurt Monterey would be to give them the ball. And that yeah. sounds so bizarre because in, 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 on this planet that we are, that we know, this planet football, um, teams want the ball. Because then they have to do less. They have to do, they have to run less. They have to be less active, right? Because the ball yeah. will do the work for you. Um, Monterey have played the entire season giving the ball to the opposition and still winning matches. And then in this game, they go in and all of a sudden, Tigres, Tuku Ferrati, the devil that he is, you know, he says, well, here you go. 
to- show us show us how to yeah. do it you know yeah uh, show, 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 show us what you can do and they just they just sort of they don't say they failed any but they, they, they failed to really do anything it is a bit of a surprise too because antonio mohamed everything worked for him the game plan was spot on mm-hmm. all the way to the final right yes and um when you look at the the the, the whatsapp football guard chat that we for example how we the big Again, ahead of the season, it would not have been a surprise if someone would have told me uh, Tigers won the final. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, okay, well, they exactly. Have, they have the biggest budget. They have the best players. Of course, they won. But <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's funny because they they did it when it was the least expected of them, and then they did it in, in a fashion that um, we did not expect from them at all. Because usually they are the team that like to have the majority of the of the ball. They like to play um, dominant football. But I guess they really realized that this occasion that wouldn't help them at all and uh, it's it's just funny because Monterey dominated every aspect of this game except for where it mattered and usually it's just the opposite and that's I I think it's, it's just fascinating yeah it really is I mean I think going back to I don't I don't want to talk about ball possession a lot but I think it's such an important factor in this game because it's two contrasting teams I think I've made a note of the uh, just the difference between the first and second half in terms of just all stats so first half Monterey had 45% of the possession, mm. had two had two shots in total. Tigre, 55, had nine shots in total. Then second half, obviously, Ferretti knows they've got that one goal advantage, puts it on Monterey. Monterey in the second half have 60, over, over 60% of possession and, and 11 shots. Tigre have just under 40 and two shots. So it's like he, he knew how to, how to work to not allow them back into this game at all. And he did that superbly. I think another thing to mention as well is... Um, Reyados obviously love that quick counter and they love getting the ball out from mm. the back quickly. They like like getting it down the line well. And what someone noticed on Twitter, which is an excellent point, it was actually uh, Steve Graff who we've had on this uh, podcast before, made a really good point that um, Tigre were taking away that long ball opportunity for them. And that was just frustrating Monterey so much that they just couldn't get their like overlapping wingers and that, all their attacking players like quickly in behind the ball a lot, uh, in behind the defence a lot, sorry. Mm-hmm. And it was it ended up having to sort of try and go through the midfield a bit, sort of like pass it straight, which is just playing into Tigre's strengths with having the two sort of defensive-minded midfielders in there. They were just sort of like eating it up time and time again. It was just so it's a real, again, just shows how good a coach Ferretti is in these sort of in these sort of final situations. Like he can be just an absolute genius of pinpointing weaknesses and basically like focusing on them and just stopping the team from doing that. Yeah, and it's interesting that as you know that. One of the players that they brought in was uh, Rafael Cariosa, right? Yes. From Brazil. And he was one of those, uh, he was part of the two man midfield pivot. And he had an excellent game. Oh, he was uh, superb, yeah. Yeah, and really, really good player. And, um, just was really good in, in breaking, in breaking down, uh, Monterey's attacking plays. And maybe that was just the difference maker. You know, he came in pretty late in the transfer window. I think there was already a few games played when, when they fi- when they signed him. And this is something that, you know, when, when we analyzed Tigres in the beginning, when we started this podcast at the beginning of the season, um, one of the things that we noted is that they, they were, they were putting together the pieces while the season was already going on, right? And, and yes. maybe one of the reasons why they had such a lo- late run to the very top of the table. Um, remember they, they took quite some time to actually get to the second spot. And they, they were very close at actually getting that first spot. And all they had to do was win the final match against 
Monterey of all teams. Uh, <laughs> they didn't do that, of course, but it, it was building towards that. And you can now see that maybe Tigers just had the better long-term plan in, in place, bringing in the right pieces, understanding that, um, that, you know, winning the regular season isn't that important and that you have to really be ready on that final game to get the title rather than, you know, playing that dominant season that Monterey played and then not have that one match. On the other hand, it is because it's, it's, it's the home and away, but it's still, there's no, um, away goal rules in Liga MX. It really is a match of 180 minutes. So how much can we take away from Monterey's performance in this game? Uh, from when you can, when you look at the whole season, because it is a bit unlucky to, to lose the title over, 180 minutes really when you were the most dominant team over the you know previous 19 games yeah i mean they fully fully deserve to be in this final i think that's no question about it by far the best team in the league just watch it i, I didn't get i don't get to watch them every week in week out but when i do get to watch them it was just so much fun because they were just picking teams apart with just such ease like, and they showed that against Atlas and uh, Monarcos in both their home games just absolutely destroyed them. But then t they came up against Tigre, who obviously played them on the final game of the uh, regular season. Obviously, Freddy's learned from that. He's learned how to play against them. And yeah, I think touching on Rafael Carioca again, just he's just suddenly like just he's, he's been like I said joined late. But he's been a bit up and down. He looked good, then he looked bad. And against Monterey in the regular season, I thought he, in the final game, I thought he was absolutely terrible. And then all of a sudden, since the uh, um, since the Club America semi-final, he's just been absolutely immense. And in that fight, I thought he was absolutely superb in that final. He just broke up all the play. He is sort of, he didn't only really have, he has Dwayne that's next to him, who sort of like, he pushed on a little bit further, but he was dropping deeper. But it's still, Carioca was just winning tackles, interceptions, just he was sort of everywhere across that line, like in front of the defence. And I, I, I sort of like compared it on Twitter to a uh, Guido Pizarro. I mean, obviously, that's massive mm. shoes to, massive shoes to fill because Guido was, I mean, it's weird for a defensive midfielder to be one of my favourite players last season, but he was just amazing to watch what he does. But mm. he's slowly, very slowly, clo not closing that level, but sort of filling his role as like that sort of like anchor man that Tigre need to sort of like sort of slow the attacks, not slow, slow the attacks, slow the, uh, sort of slow the play down for them because that's the way they like to play and just sort of like take out the passes. So coming into next season, he's going to be e even more important, I think. Yeah, and another player I really want to touch on maybe as one of the key players for this final for Ferretti was Mezza. And yes. um he had he had a fantastic match, but the irony of the story of course is that he would not have probably played the match if if Ayala had not picked up a red card Definitely not. in the first <laughs> leg. But it's funny that Ayala picks up that red card, Mezza comes in and he, he becomes the player of the match. Um but he was immense, wasn't he? Just incredible. I mean, alongside scoring the winning goal as well, just like clear, clear, he must have just thought, okay, this is my time to shine. I'm just going to do it, and just absolutely dominated that. I mean, the guy hadn't played. Okay, he played in the uh, game against uh, the uh, second leg against Club America. That was down to Julianio's injury. But apart from that, his last league game, if I look, last league start even was on the 27th of August at home to Lobos. So he's, he's had to be patient for his time, and he's just absolutely taken it in that game. Just I mean, Juninho has been a, a good servant at the club for a Tiga, but I think it's now time that because Juninho's 35, Meta, okay, he's a little bit younger at 26, but mm. I feel like it's time now that this 
the centre-back partnership of Ayala and Meza could be the one going forward because Ayala is just a class centre-back and if Meza can put, keep putting performances like that, I mean, Tigre are going to be even more stubborn at the back. Yeah, just to put in some number, nine clearances, six interceptions. Um, he won six out of ten duels, accurate passes, 85.7%. That's that's immense. That's, good. that's, that's very good. good. You, you know, Ferretti plays that um, very cultured football out of the back. Mm-hmm. So he needs a defender who can do that. So you know, maybe the 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 red card for Ayala was the key for Tigres winning the championship. <laughs> and sometimes it is a little detail like that, right? That yeah. just you know forces a coach's hand. Now we talked about the details that won the championship for Tigres, and and they are much deserved champions simply because of the kind of squad they have. Um, the kind of players that they have and the kind of performance they put in towards the the second half of the season. Now, but we have to also talk about the loser, and that's Monterey. Um, now, in retrospect, of course, it's a, jo- a shock that they didn't win the title. But um, was it maybe coming in a way, Oli? I mean, we've seen signs of it towards the second half of the Apertura. Then, of course, they played a great playoff. But there was always that little bit of doubt, wasn't there? I think there always was, because they just seemed to be. I don't want to say the pressure had like that added extra thing going for it, because this, this it just seemed like this was their time. I mean, maybe I think away from home, I think that's where they probably could have struggled more. Like they they did against it was Puebla and Lobos in the regular season where they struggled. But I just still, I mean, I still just thought at home with a foot packed house, Monterey even against a team who are as well-drilled as Tigre, which should still be able to just do it. And they just didn't. I mean, I don't want to pick out... It's hard, it's hard to pick on an 18-year-old, but John, I thought Jonathan Gonzalez, I think, mm. just seemed like one game too many for him. He was decent in the first leg, but he just looked a little bit... He looked leggy. He couldn't seem to, he just couldn't seem to get close to um, any of the... He couldn't get close to Carioca or Duenas or any of the uh, other Tigre like forward players. He just seemed a little bit... Off his off his game and it's disappointing because he's been in, incredible for Monterey's season and sort of like really made them tick and I don't, it's, I, I'm not I'm not putting the blame on like an 18 year old it's like his first final but he has just been that important to them. Mm. Yeah, I think I think that's that's a very good point to make because he looked a little jaded. Yeah, as, at centre midfield, you're such a key such a key element for your side. Um, and that really... Which is why I find, sorry, sorry, but that's why I find it really bizarre. Okay, obviously Monterey, but you've got to go with the nine-nine uh, rule with the yeah. foreign players. But to completely rest out Kelso Ortiz, who is probably one of that Monterey's best, he's probably Monterey's best defensive midfielder, just seemed very bizarre. Is there like no other foreign player you could have taken? I mean, you've got Jorge Benitez, Jorge Benitez, Jorge Benitez mm. who's just like just like a backup striker on the bench. Like you could have like. Not afford to, like, he's for Paraguayan, so you could just like afford to like just like rest him and have Ortiz like at least on the bench. It just seemed a very bizarre decision to leave him out for such a crucial game. I mean, it, it worked in the uh, in the second leg against Monarcos, and I think they also rested him out in the second leg against Atlas as well. So clearly, they they feel like at home they could use that extra attacking player, but in a final against Tigre, it's seemed a, it's a very bold call. Yeah, and maybe that's the kind of thing that they Antonio Mohamed will look back to mm-hmm. and say, well, because I think Monterey will now invest any everything that they can to win the Clausura, right? I think oh, God, that yeah. has that has to be the goal. Yes, and th- that's a maybe now the first thing, of course, will be disappointment. But um, the nice thing about Mexican 
soccer is that you get to do it all again in six months <laughs> there's not a year-long wait because <laughs> uh, there's two titles every year so they have they have basically just six months to 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 dust off and say well this didn't work let's try again and i i guess the two teams that we saw in the final are probably the favorites to win the closer as well right i mean i'd imagine so yeah it's a weird thing to say but like is there anyone who could get close to them in the next seven months, uh, sorry, six months, even even with the uh, draft and transfer window coming up, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, teams are obviously teams like Club America will have to invest, but are they going to be able to get in the players they want to? Danny Pellegrino here with a very merry, iconic podcast here to tell you about AMC Plus with best Christmas ever on AMC Plus. Every day feels like Christmas morning from new holiday favorites like Elf and one of my personal favorites, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, you can spend the holiday season opening up only the good stuff. Plus, you'll get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond, and you're also getting your favorite iconic Christmas movies without having to search. AMC Plus is available on all your devices. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy. Right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. In this sort of this like three week period until the season next starts to to get anywhere near the like these two probably not so it, this barring like the team that kept apart in the uh, playoffs you'd imagine they'll both make it through the quarter semis and this should we should we talk about this again in the middle of May? <laughs> oh, it'll be easy for us because we already have like the layout on our podcast and all that. Exactly, so we can yeah. just reuse this one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was, I was serious. This aside, I think I mean. I, I find it hard to look at to find other two teams that could do better than they did. So mm-hmm. I think the chances are quite high that we see a final like that again. And our record is pretty good because I think we kind of predicted this final even. We said, and I have to listen back to our podcast from June, July, but I'm pretty sure we actually said Monterey and Tigers that would be the final. And um, I think the majority of the pot said Tigers will win it. So uh, good for us. We do know all things. Um, so we, that's that's good. But... We got- uh, Close. <laughs> we got we got we got really close. Or maybe we just got lucky. There's that yeah. element too. But um Ollie, you picked your team of the year. I have done. And uh I gave you this task because you do watch <laughs> so many of the games, more than anyone else in this pod. And let's start with the goalie. Um you picked Sosa from Monacas. And you we, we talked a little bit before the podcast and you said, Well, you know, there was actually some, I could have maybe given it to someone else, but then you stuck to him. Tell me, why did you have doubts and why did you stick to him in the end after all? I think the one real doubt I had, because I think he's been absolutely incredible, but he will, I mean, he, he will be remembered for the second leg in Monterey when he had an absolute nightmare. And that's what was just putting, was putting me in some doubt. It's like, oh, this guy's been so good, but when it really came to hit, he made one massive error and I could have done better with probably what two of the other goals as well but and I, I but the other options I had I had a Baravero from Nakaxa who is just a real class keeper I mean he 
no offense to Nakakta and Nakakta fans, but he should be playing at like a much higher level or a, a much better team in Mexico because he is mm. really good. And I had a Marchesin was also sort of floating out around from Club America. Who I think it's been pretty good. Makes a, maybe a few little mistakes here and there, but it's just a real good solid keeper. But Sosa has just, I mean, he's probably been the best player for Monarcos this season. I mean, I know they've got the likes of Rui Diaz and actually in their team as well, but he really has like just dragged them out of some just remarkable performance has gotten them like three points on so many different occasions. So I just kind of just off the top of my head, there's so many just sort of different saves and just like just overall games where he is, where it's just been basically him versus the whole team. He's just a really remarkable keeper for a guy who was basically last season, the last Cazera, just sitting on the bench. Mm. And then suddenly he's come in and just been like, wow, because he had a hell of a good, uh, I think it was, he was very, he was impressing a lot in the Copper MX last year. And so they, when I think it was Carlos Rodriguez, he went to lay on. Monaco stuck with Sosa and just a wonderful decision because he's just been pure class apart from the last game. <laughs> yeah, but you know, to be fair, he still got Monaco to the semi-final of the exactly, Apertura, yeah. which no one here expected on this part. I think they were, yes, the, they were the biggest surprise team. Um, so I think, you know, one game aside against us, against one of the best teams in the league, maybe the best team in the league. Yeah. Let's ignore the final. Um, <laughs> I think that's, that's still, you know, a good, very good season. Now, yeah. your back line, you pick four defenders, Pauli Aquila Mos from America, Mosquera from Lyon, Achillier from Monacas, and uh, Vangion from, Vangioni from Monterey. Um, explain to me what you did there. I mean, Aquila, um, it's a very good choice. Vangioni, he, of course, he picked up a red card, right? In the, in the did, final. Yes. So, um, bit of a question mark right there. Achillea from Monarchas, I think that's a very convincing case as well, because of, obviously, of, of what Monarchas have done. Mosquera from Lyon, interesting choice. Oh, uh, yeah, explain to me what you've done here. I'm, I'm really curious to hear yeah. your opinion on, on your backline there. Well, I have to say, on the two fullbacks, uh, Aguila and Vangioni, uh, I, do not watch uh, America and Monterey all that often. I don't cover them as my team. We have me and the other analyst, uh, mm. Samir, who is on Twitter as well, cover each nine team, and he covers America and Monterey. And we were we've been messaging about like say like a team of the year for like the past few weeks now. And yeah, and I was asking I was asking now just uh, just briefly like who do you have as like in your team of the year? And he and I was saying like just in like fullbacks. I'm not entirely sure on any of my my teams have got decent fullbacks. And he put forward Aguilar and Bangioni, mm. and and he just said like. Aguilar, Aguilar is so important to Club, to Club America and sort of like he helps out the way they sort of play. He's, he's, a, he's a good attacking sort of right wing back come right back at times. I feel like he he said on a few occasions he really should be in the Mexican team, like a national team, even at his age of like, he's what, 31. But he said he's just been just so solid this entire season. So it's like hard to just ignore him how good he is. And he said from Vangioni as well that I think he they got him from AC Milan, I think, where he was just barely playing. Mm -hmm. And he's okay, he, he's missed a few games with injuries here and there, and also he got sent off in the uh, pardon me, but got sent off in the uh, first leg right at the very end. It was yeah. quite a big miss in the final. But again, he just said just pure class. Couldn't think of even having an actual bad, bad game. Maybe had a bad few minutes in the last game, but just been a really good solid player for them. And then for the centre backs, I what I have watched both Leon and Monarchus. I watch them all the time. So, actually, I'm unreal centre back, so dominant. I mean, he's just he like I don't want to say like Soza. He carries a team, but he there's him Soza, 
and Rui Diaz, who, he, spoiler, isn't in my team of the year, but I like that part of that sort of like real spine of Monarcos to get them to the semi-finals. I couldn't not, not ignore actually who has just been, just at times an absolute monster. He's put his head in all the time, gets he's really strong in tackles, gets a load of yellow cards, but it's just an absolute, just an absolute tank by like, the back. And then, yeah, the interesting one with uh, Mosquera from Leon. I mean, I, I'm trying to think where they signed him from that. They signed him from a Independiente Medellin from Colombia. So, like, didn't when he came in, I thought, eh, could be, like, an interesting sort of backup choice, but it just became a regular starter. It's just, like, been, bar one or two games where he was sort of, like, off his game a bit, he just he's just been <laughs> really, really, like, impressively good. Maybe probably one of the underrated, like, signings of the season for me, because he came in at centre-back, looked really strong, then, like, Leon had, like, a crisis at right, they had, like, no one who could play there, so he played there as well, and just slotted in just, like, amazingly, and then just, and then moved back into centre-back when they, the injuries came back, and it was just, like, this guy can play right back in centre-back so well, okay, Leon, at, at times, they're not the greatest team defensively, but he was just sort of, like, just, like, holding it together at times. Yeah, I mean, that's a very, very good explanation all around, I think, you know, <laughs> um, I would agree with pretty much every one of those selections. Now, your midfield. Um, you have another player from Leon, Elias. Jonathan <laughs> Gonzalez from Monterey, um, who had a very good year, despite yes. a no-show in the final, which I think, fair enough. He's still 18, yeah. right? So yeah. I, I feel like I've been a bit harsh on him, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, I think overall, when you look at the entire season, it's still a very solid choice. Oh, yeah. uh, Micha from Leon as well, another player from Leon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Pabon from Monterey, who actually scored for Monterey in the second leg. Yeah. Um, so a convincing choice as well. Pabon, you could probably also slot in as a forward. Yes. Um, so he, he is a little bit between the lines. You could make, yeah. you know, so you, I guess you're varying a little bit between a 4-4-2 and a 4-3-3 there. Ollie. Yeah. <laughs> but, I sort of just tried, I just tried to squeeze Pabon in. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fair enough. He deserves it. But, uh, tell me, what have you done here? And I'm just curious to hear your assessment on these players. Uh, Eliash has just been incredible. <laughs> I see people, a lot of players say they've been incredible and then they got up to a point. Like, Eliash has been just through the regular season, just one of my favorite players to watch. And he was just destroying teams at times, just scoring goals. Guess I think he scored like six goals in the regular season, which were, Right midfield was pretty decent and got, I got so many assists that I can't remember off the top of my head now. It was just like him, him and him to Bosselli were just like, just like a combination just worked for like a, a couple of months. He was just getting just so much space. Just he's so quick down the wing. His crossing is just like accurate time and time again. I thought I can't not have this guy who's pushing to get a place in the Mexico squad as well. Yeah. I can't not have him in that team. Jonathan Gonzalez, I think we've, Talked about him a lot on this pod. Uh, mm. Unbelievable breakthrough season for him by the final, but we, we, we ignore that. Just, I mean, a revelation for Monterey to just find this 18 year old American slash Mexican who still hasn't made his mind up yet. Mm. And it's just like, didn't have to spend like any money on him at all. Just quite, just remarkable. It's, it's hard to put into words how good this 18 year old is to come into a, a all star studded Monterey side and basically put himself as one of the first names on the team sheet. Then another Leon player, I mean, for a team that didn't get past the quarterfinals, I've got quite a few Leon players in my team. But to be fair, they had a good season though. They really did, yeah. And Mejia is, again, he's one of my favourite defensive midfielders. I seem to have a thing for defensive midfielders. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just a real solid guy. He, he came in from, uh, he came in from Atletico Nacional last year 
and started phenomenally well. Sort of dropped off a little bit, which is a little bit disappointing in uh, the early parts of the season. But then from about like September onwards, just stepped it up again and just showed just how class a player he could be. I think I remember seeing this maybe not, maybe not too long ago, a few days ago. That I think I saw Monterey might be linked with him as well. Which I mean, that'd be mm. a fantastic, that'd be a fantastic sign. Okay, they've already got some good defensive midfielders in the in their team already. But yeah, I mean, Mahia is just a a very class, solid, aggressive midfielder. And then Pabon, I mean, yep. from I mean, from Monterey, I could have chosen Sanchez. I could have chosen Fulis Mori if I wanted to play a different formation. But Pabon, is, I think his goal in the final just sort of swung it for me. It was a hell of a good finish and across the two legs. He was being out of the four of Pabon, Sanchez, Hurtado and Funes Mori. Pabon stood head and shoulders above all of those two in both legs. So, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, throughout the season, of course, he's been good as well. But that just sort of just forced it for me to have him in my team. Yeah, I think he's a, he was a very good player. I mean, I, I really like Dolan Pabon. He's yeah, he's fun to watch, and you know the the fact that he's a flexible player that you can put him up front. You you chose to put him in midfield, which is just fine. He can play there. No problem he's at all. Play, he's play anywhere. Yeah, that sort of front line. Exactly. So you know, you, you basically you could put him in a four-two-two-two. Could put put him in four-three-three, four-two-three-one. All these formations would probably suit him quite well. So I'm, I think he's an exciting player. One of many Colombians in this league. Colombians are very popular mm-hmm. in this league. So, um, yeah, a fantastic player to watch, a fun player to watch, and I think a very good choice. Now your forwards. Um, you have another Colombian in there from Monterey. In I Ho- do, yeah. Hotado, <laughs> maybe soon to be Mexican. Um, that's still up in the air. And then uh, from Ecuador, Ana Valencia, obvious choice. I think the biggest signing in the in the summer. Yeah. Um, I think he did what needed to be done. <laughs> I mean, Tigres won the won the championship. Hotado, on the other hand, had an amazing season. He did what needed to be done until he missed that final penalty. <laughs> yeah. Um, how much do you think? You know, I mean, it is just one mistake in one game, but it was the one mistake in that one game that mattered. I know. Uh, did that make you waver at all in putting him into your final squad? For a little bit, but then it's so hard. That was just, it's one more, I mean, it's such a crucial moment. I mean, if he scores that, we could yeah. now be talking, we, we could be talking about Monterey winning the tie and extra time on penalties. And then this is, I mean, my team of the year might, might look completely different, but just from what he did during the regular season, it's just, it was so hard not to have him in there. Just been, I mean, phenomenal signing from Tijuana. Just, mm. I mean, he, 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 was, he was doing well at Tijuana as it is, but he just sort of just gone to another level with Monterey. And even though he sort of didn't have the greatest for Greer, it's still hard just not to have him in there. Just an unbelievably talented player, probably player of the season, player of the Aperture even. I mean, they, they have to weigh up against a lot of other options, but he would definitely at least be like top two or top three. And then Valencia from Tiga, I mean, came in from, I came from, was it West Ham or Everton in the end? Came in, from, I can't remember which side it came in from. West Ham. Anyway, yeah, it was West Ham, yeah, yeah, thank you, yeah, sorry. Yeah, came in from them. I mean, he's already shown what he could do back in the league when he was at Pachuca. And just, I mean, I think it was, was it first or second game? I think he got like a hat-trick or something, so. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, it was in, yeah, in his first game, he got yeah. a hat-trick at home, like home against Proebla, so. And they just sort of just went on from there. Sort of dropped again, dropped off a little bit, but then because then Ferretti sort of rested him out of the team for the uh, I think for the two games against Leon, he was just on the yeah on the bench against them. But then these past four games, it just shown how good a player he is. Just pace, skill, finishing like that Penenka in the uh, first leg oh, was just so good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
I, I had so many different options that I could have gone for up front as well. Obviously, Funes Mori and Sanchez mm-hmm. both from Monterrey. Uh, maybe Bosselli, but he missed too many chances in the end. Edu Vargas obviously scored in the final, but I just I, I couldn't squeeze him in. To a lesser extent, Rui Diaz, who dropped off a bit. And then even if like a outside pitch, Julian Quinenos from Lobos, who <laughs> looks really, really good. But I, 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 can sort of, I can argue a place for him ahead of, of these other two players. Yeah, I think up front, it's very difficult to pick players in this league. Mm-hmm. There's just so many just yeah. fast attacking players who yeah. could all deserve a place. <laughs> that and centre midfielders, defensive centre midfielders, Liga MX is very rich in those players too. I feel like mm-hmm. that is the, the two areas where you have a lot of players. Um, someone who stood out for me, for example, but obviously maybe doesn't deserve to make this list is Markora from Holos, who's been very good, but That's of course Holos didn't, good shout. Yeah. Yeah, didn't make the, 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 the um, Liguela, so um, yeah, there goes that. Or Samboesa from the Samboesa, Toluca, yeah, from Toluca, another great shout for for midfield. Um, it is a league yeah. rich in talent. I think that's one of the reasons we love it so much. We love watching it so much, and I think picking a, an eleven. I think you've done very well with yours. I think that's that's a very good shout for um eleven, final eleven, the best eleven of Liga MX. So we'll leave it at that. Um, yeah. You as the analyst, you get the final say. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's a very good choice. Now, that concludes the the apertura. We have a few months off. We have a couple months off. I think it starts in, in January, right? Early January? It does, yes. Yeah, so well, it's not even a couple months. It feels like Christmas adds like almost another month to it, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But it's really just one month, uh, which is good. It doesn't give us too much time to think, uh, too much time to fill with other stuff. But lucky for us, this isn't quite the conclusion when it comes to Liga MX teams because on Tuesday is Pachuca's time to shine in the Club World Cup. Now, I wrote the preview on this, Ollie. And I did not realize that this is already the fourth time that Pachuca are in the Club World Cup. And you know what happened the previous three times that they were in it? I can't say I am, no. Please tell. The previous three times, they were always eliminated by the champion from Africa. From Africa also, so at least... So at least they actually finally got that done. They got that out of the way. They eliminated Vidat Casablanca. It was a piece of work. It took them 120 minutes in the red car to Vidat Casablanca to get through and pass that hurdle, finally. Um, it's an interesting one, though, because, I mean, the Liga MX sides, on paper, are certainly stronger than the teams from Africa, yet they seem to struggle when they, have, when they play against them. Why, why do you think that is? Why, is that just maybe because of this time of the year, it's a very difficult time for Liga MX sides to play because the, it's, it is that final stage, and Pachuca may be a little lucky that they weren't in the Liguela this time around, and that made it a little bit easier for them to actually finally overcome this hurdle? Possibly, yeah. It's an interesting one. I mean, it, it could be, I mean, it's, you, can't, you can't sort of say, it could, be, it could be a combination of maybe Pachuca have had, maybe they haven't had their greatest season overall, so mm. maybe they're sort of coming off the back of that a little bit. Okay, they've got the Copa Max final to look forward to, but it, it could just be a thing that maybe Riedad or just African teams in general play a different style that, I mean, we, I, I have no idea what style it could be, but maybe it's a different style that Pachuca aren't used to before. So it, it, it could be a combination of numerous factors, but I mean, it, it, it's an interesting point. They haven't been able to get past the African teams before until now, but I think finally they've been able to do that and now they're into the semis. Yeah, I only found us out doing my research for the, for the preview, for the preview yeah. against Gremio Porto Alegre, 
of course, the champion from Co from the Copa Libertadores, the South America champion, a competition that Liga MX sides used to be in, right? The top mm -hmm. Liga MX yes. sides used to play in the, the Copa down in South America. Now, this will make this a very fascinating matchup because unfortunately right now the Liga MX sides, um, it's already um, announced that they will not play, that they will not return to the Copa Libertadores next season. I personally think it's a shame. I would love to have the Liga MX sides in that competition, mostly because then we could talk about it, but also because it, it would be just fun to cover it, right? Um, but this, oh, yeah. this will give Pachuca that, and there is that argument right now. The best league outside of Euro, Europe, is it the Serie A in Brazil or is it Liga MX, uh, in Mexico? Now, the problem maybe is that Grêmio, are a very strong Serie A team, possibly the strongest, one of the two or three strongest in Brazil. And Pachuca really aren't one of the top teams in Liga MX right now, yet they are going to represent Liga MX in this challenge to determine which Latin American side is the best one. Um, is this, is this something that could, you know, in terms of what we're going to see? Because I suspect that Grêmio will get through to the final because of Pachuca's problems. Is this something that maybe could hurt the brand, the Liga MX brand, Oli? Or do you think that maybe Pachuca could even upset the apple card and go through to the final? I mean, it'd be a hell of an ask for Pachuca to get past Gremio because they are such a strong side. I think they've got is it they've got Luan Gremio who is who. Well, I, when I've been talking to some of the Brazilian analysts before, they just like wax lyrical about him. They think he's just absolutely absolute genius and like can't be long until like he moves to Europe. I think he's only twenty four still, but it could hurt it a little bit. It's like you've got. Gremio, who I think came like third overall, Copa Libertadores champions, coming against Pachuca, who after they after they won the Concacaf Champions League, you thought, okay, well they're going to really kick on here. Okay, they lost uh, Lozano, but yeah. a poor season for them. Didn't finish inside the top eight. I mean, it, it's sort of like as you want to say, the world is watching and expect this. Is like it's very little that other people get to see a Mexican side play. And if they're coming up against the Gremio side who are looking confident, who could beat them 2 or 3 nil, it could hurt it a little bit of thinking, oh, well, this clearly shows for like the, like the, the people, people who don't pay much attention to the league, that clearly shows that Brazil is better than Mexico. I wouldn't argue that it is. I'd say it's a pretty level league. Maybe, maybe at the moment it's still slightly in favour of Brazil, but it's still like a, the, if you try and compare the leagues together, they're still very, sort of very, very close. So, I mean, if, if this was like even a, Tigre, Monterey, even like a Club America against Gremio, I'd, I would, don't know. I feel like there's just looking at just going through the Gremio side. It's a strong side, and I can't. I mean, it'd be great for Pachuca to get through to the final. And probably they will play Real Madrid, but yeah. it's it's a tough ask. Yeah, I figure, I figure too. I, my tip was two one for Gremio. Um, simply because yeah. I think to put this into perspective, it'd be like. Um, an English or it'd be like Leicester winning the Champions League when they were in it, right? And, yeah. and then going to the Club World Cup and getting completely beaten up by the side from South America, which is probably what would have happened. I mean, it mm -hmm. happened to Chelsea. Remember when Chelsea won the Champions League? Uh, yeah. Robbed Bayern in the final and then lost. <laughs> it didn't win the Club World Championship because guess what? They weren't actually a good team. Um, <laughs> and I, I think this is, this is a similar instance because Pachuca had no business winning the CONCACAF Champions League. Yet they did because Tigres were incapable of getting the job done as they have been many times before. Um, for me, Tigres are the best team in the Western Hemisphere. Um, you know, I've said this many times, closely followed by Monterey 
and I would have said probably say the other way around if Monterey had won that final. Um, I think both those sides would give Grêmio a, a run for their money, but as it stands right now, I just can't see it. I can't see Pachuca uh, winning this game, especially without uh, having Lozano, who's been absolutely ripping apart the Eredivisie in the Netherlands, right? Just to give you an example of how big of a loss he is, we're already talking to about transfers to Arsenal, Borussia Dortmund, all those other teams, you know, that are trying to come in and get him because they realize that they missed out on signing him in the first place. And um, I think that's, unfortunately, I would love to see Pachuca play in the final against Real Madrid. Not that that would be a happy ending either, but I would just love to see it, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I agree. It's just, it's too much of a ask for them. Especially, I mean, you don't say they'll, they'll be focused on the Copa Mex because that's just a, not a, it's a lesser tournament in comparison, but yeah. It would, it would have been nice if it was a better side, but it's not. So if, if Pachuca get through, I mean, kudos to them because that's a hell of a performance, but you're expecting what it takes place tomorrow. You're expecting it probably they're not going to be able to do it, sadly. No. Oh, we'll watch it. We'll see what happens. But yeah, unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. Now, Ollie, we have some paperwork to do. Um, we do indeed. A, a team that did disappoint us quite a bit uh, in the Apertura, Holos Tijuana. I think a very good sign, a side that made a very, a lot of very good transfers throughout the season, but still just couldn't get the horsepower onto the field. Uh, big surprise. They brought in a new coach, uh, in Diego Cocker. Now, what do we know about him? And do you think that Holos, and this is maybe, this is something I wanted to mention earlier. Um, I think that Holos could be one of those sides that could really, really push in the Clausura because I think they have they have the squad to do it. They just didn't they weren't able to really get the horsepower onto the field. Yeah, I mean they're on paper their side is probably almost as strong as like Tigre and Monterey's. It's an absolutely ridiculous team. Just Crudeau could only seem to get it working for like a few games in a row and then it would just fall back into just the old Jolos of what it had been this season, just a bit just not entertaining, just couldn't score goals. I mean, Boo, I mean, Boo, to be fair, was scoring quite a few goals, but it was just nothing else. Nothing else was just going for them. But yeah, no, Cocker is a quite interesting, interesting, because he was a wrestling club he was last at, wasn't he? Yeah. Mm, yeah. And this, I think, but I think, and it was, this also sort of follows the whole sort of Jolos, not sort of like format, the way they're doing it. They, they do seem to appoint sort of younger-ish managers who are Argentinian, or, or sorry, who are coaching Argentina. So maybe this is sort of something that they're hoping that can work with. Okay, Herrera doesn't fit that mould in any the slightest sense and was able to work wonders with them. But maybe they feel like with Cocker, he can sort of bring out the best of this team because there's so much potential for this team to easily be making quarters, if not semi-finals, of the close era. Yeah, I feel that with the team that they have, I mean, we're looking at the, the front line with Juan uh, Itobe, Gustavo Bow. Uh, Luis Mendoza, right? Um, and then a, a midfielder includes Miller Bolanos. A very good signing for them. Victor Malcoro, yeah. who I already mentioned, who maybe would have made that team of the year if his side had done better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a good team and I, I'm pretty sure that they will make some significant investments during the draft. A uh, big topic for us next week, of course. And, um, I, I, I'm, I'm really curious to see what they're going to do because I think there's a couple of missing pieces they need to bring in, but I'm pretty sure the Holos are going to be back pushing, pushing for the Liguela and, um, be one of those teams that, you know, 
will make it harder for the likes of Monterey, Tigres, and Club America um, to push for that title. So interesting time at Holos, um, really interesting times. Good timing for them too, because again, draft is next week, so they now know who's going to coach them. That's good news for them. A uh, side that has made a move already, um, almost our final topic, right, is um, Pumas. Biggest disappointment maybe of the Apertura. They have brought in Matthias Alustiza from Atlas. Um, you said that that's a good signing for them because he could maybe support Castillo a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it is. I think he's, he was, especially since since he joined Atlas last year, he was just a just the figure for them. He was just such a unbelievable. Technically, he's superb. Even at what thirty three, he can still do it against the best of them. He was having absolutely phenomenal. He having such a good season. Then he sort of picked up injury, and then sort of crew uh, Jose Cruz sort of changed changed the style of Atlas a little bit, and suddenly they started going four five one. And then Alcides just couldn't get his way back into the team, which was completely bizarre because off the bench he was looking superb and then even in the um the games against monterey just played 25 and then 45 minutes off the bench so if you look at it like that you think oh why are they signing him but he is a very good player could he it should i mean again i mean we know nico is out for um he's out injured again now i think it's his ankle just just continuously causing problems i think he underwent surgery in Early November, I believe it was, and he's out for about four to five weeks. So I feel like he, he it's, it's slash it's going to be like partnering him mm. slash. This is sort of like a stopgap because either way, I think Nico he's he's either going to move on because when he plays, he's just superb. He's an unbelievable striker. I mean, if he if he would have stayed fit, he would have probably been in my team of the year because he's just too good for Pumas and like he could be a, a much better side he could easily be in Europe I think I said before he was linked with uh, Burnley in the Premier League and that's why they um, and because only just due to paperwork issues that's why they end up getting Chris Wood who is at uh, Leeds yeah. so yeah so clearly I mean Nico would not be there for much longer Anastasia I mean he, he, I mean Pumas needed a striker because with Nico out injured they were playing for Nico in like a false nine role it just wasn't working he was just not suited to it whatsoever Get but get him back into like the playing off the striker role. He can play with Alistair, who's he's quite a small, he's a smallish player, but he he does hold the ball up surprisingly well, with good with his feet. I th- I do think that that is a, it's a smart signing, and Pumas need I think just talk about Pumas himself. They need they need to make a, a lot mm. more signings, especially in defence, because their defence now they've they've lost they've actually lost a Alcoba, who's gone to a Santos Laguna now, which is completely bizarre because he's by far the best centre back. So. Yeah, Pumas are going to need to make a lot more signings like Alastair, put it that way. Mm, yeah, they think there needs to be a lot of things done. Now, Atlas released uh, four players and they sent two players to Puebla today. Um, a little bit of change happening at Atlas, I guess, right? With the, well, it has to maybe happen because they, they, they are desiring a title, but at the same time, they have to put one eye on the relegation battle as well, which mm-hmm. is, you know, the complicated issue. So a few changes happening, not anything too major. So I want to maybe leave what's happening at Atlatas till next week where we have a clearer picture. So yeah, Oli, that pretty much wraps it up for this week. Um, it's once again been a fantastic podcast and we've, you know, been a fantastic season. Really enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, where can people find you? What have you been up to? And, um, where can people follow you on Twitter? And I know on Twitter you're very busy covering everything related to Liga MX. 
yeah, I've been very busy this past few days with the final. I've been tweeting like more than I think I've ever done before. You can find me on Twitter at, at FRFootballOlly. Mm. Um, I think what's coming up for me now, I mean, with the end of the league of next season, I'm, I'll be tweeting about the draft, which is on in, in, two, in two days' time. So hopefully there's going to be a lot of interesting moves then. There normally is, to be honest, so many players just con- consistently moving around. So I think by the time it gets to next week's poll, we're going to have a lot of transfer news to be talking about. Yeah, well, we'll probably need a list. That's definitely that's probably the best <laughs> thing to do. Yeah, it, that's. I mean, I, I love transfers. It's one of my favorite topics. To be honest, I can talk about transfers all day. So we'll have a fun podcast next week. But yeah, um, definitely something to keep an eye on. The international window, of course, opens December thirty first. So I expect one or two big signings from overseas to come to Liga MX as well. So mm. I'm really excited about this time of the year. Uh, maybe way too excited than I should be. I'm a little bit of a geek. I can't help it. But if you're into that kind of stuff, hey, come and follow me at Manuel Vef. Um, you can find everything Football Grad related pretty much on it that I do for the Football Grad Network, but also other things. And um, yeah, go give it a follow. Um, you can also, of course, follow at Football Grad Live. You will find this podcast. You'll find our Gegenpressing Bundesliga podcast on there or Football Grad podcast and we call it Soccer Podcast which will have a very special Canadian flavor this week because Toronto FC won the MLS. So that's really exciting and of course um, if you like what we do give us a follow on iTunes, give us a rating on iTunes uh, that really helps us grow and gives you know makes it easier for listeners to find us which I hope people want to do. Well Oli, that's it. Uh-huh. Season's over. So It is. Oh. Yeah, that's that. Well, I guess we'll be back next week for transfers. Well, that's it, guys. Speak to you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.